Well, good morning to you. Great to see you guys. Uh, my name is Ed Travers. If you're uh, new to LifePoint, uh, I am uh, the teaching pastor at this campus. Grateful to have you with us. Want to draw your attention real quick to a couple things. Uh, Caleb, thanks for leading us and praying there for us. Um, one of the things I think are, I, I really love about our church is every year during the Christmas season, we're able to bless needy families uh, in our congregation and beyond um, with uh, gifts for usually single parents. Uh, or families in need, and we have out in the lobby what's called a giving tree. The way we've done it in the past is that you could go on there and you could buy gift cards for a family, and then we would distribute the gift cards. We're gonna do it. Uh, we also had done another thing last year where we would have a chance for you to nominate a family. This year, the funds are actually coming from our WOW offering that happened back in May. So you're, you're not buying gift cards or anything like that. Out at the Giving Tree, there's a QR code. If you take your phone and go to that QR code, you can nominate a family. So here's what we need to know from you. Is there a family uh, in our church uh, that's struggling that you know of that maybe they're not telling us about? Uh, a single parent. Uh, we want to know about all the single parents, uh, but maybe there's even a family outside of this circle uh, that really could use some help during the Christmas season. And what we're going to ask you to do is when you go out to the lobby, go to that QR code and then fill that out. Let us know about the family. Is that, is that good? Um, also, just want to say that our team from Argentina is on the ground there now, and they are, uh, they are working through uh, what God has for them and mission. Can't wait for them to get back, but keep praying for them uh, this week as they are continuing to minister all the way through the weekend. Uh, so I want to let you guys know about that. And just lastly, if you are new to LifePoint, uh, I want to ask you to go to lpguest.com on your phone. So grab your phone, pull that out. If you're, if you're unfamiliar, uh, or you can use the QR code on a chair in front of you. That'll take you directly to the site, but it's lpguest.com. That's our online connect card. All the information that you might want to know about our church is there, but you can also follow along in the listening uh, guide uh, that they have there. For the sermon notes, if you want to take notes, you can you know, do that. You can take a screenshot of that. You can email them to yourself so you have a record of what, uh, you know, that you're listening to today and how God's kind of interacting with your soul today. Uh, but there's also a guest information button. If you hit that button uh, and scroll down, you can fill a little bit of information on the guest information side. Down at the bottom, there are five ministries that we support at all of our campuses. And for every guest uh, that comes in and checks one of those boxes, uh, we are going to do an extra $5 donation to those ministries. So you can join with all the guests at all of our campuses to make a dent uh, in, the, in a ministry and really help out today. So I just want to let you guys know about that. Um, that said, I, I was kind of thinking and praying about this, uh, this new sermon or this new series that we're going to be in, and, and I, I ran across a story that I thought was very intriguing. Uh, it comes from London, England. Uh, a couple years ago, there was a family that was redoing their kitchen. And, you know, the houses there can be very old. They're redoing the kitchen, and they, they pull up the floors, and they think what is below there are some kind of wiring. So they go to pull the wiring, and out pops a coin. And they're cleaning it up, and they realize they have what looks like a gold coin in their presence. I mean, they're, they're like, pretty excited. So, of course, they start digging up underneath, and they pull up an entire fortune of gold coins. So here's a little picture of what they found. It, they said it was enough to fill what would be like a Pepsi can or something like that. And so they're wondering, okay, what is this? They're 1600 era, you know, gold coins. So they hired an auction house to auction them off. And they were thinking the value might be around $250,000. They received $850,000. Can you imagine digging up your floors? Like some of you are going home today and you're thinking... That's on you. I mean, maybe it helps the contractors in the room. But nevertheless, 
Can you imagine? I think there's something in all of us that dreams about finding treasure, whether it's in the backyard. I've, I've seen people out on the beaches, you know, with the little metal detectors. I mean, we all watch movies that have this, you know, treasure that's found. I mean, one of my favorite movies is The Count of Monte Cristo, where they find all that, that treasure. There's something about the idea of finding treasure that really appeals to us. Now, that's going to connect to what I'm going to say, but this new series we're in, we're calling Kingdom Values. And this series, we're going to talk about the kingdom of values and the things that, that God values. And we're going to say this every week, is that the big idea for the series is that living in the kingdom means giving towards things that matter. Now, when I say the kingdom of God, let me explain what I mean by that, because there's some confusion uh, on that term. What does that mean? Because when we think kingdom, we typically think there's a king on a throne, and he has his, you know, his military power or whatever, and they have a geography that's their land, and he's the king of that land. The kingdom of God is not like that at all. The kingdom of God is that God himself owns everything, but he's advancing his eternal kingdom one heart at a time. So he wants a relationship with us, but we all are broken by sin. And I think everyone kind of knows that inside, but that brokenness means we are separated from God. So that's why God sent his son to die on a cross. That's why God's son took the penalty for sin. So all the justice of God prevailed but the grace and mercy of God was revealed to us by Jesus Christ rising from the dead and then coming to us through the Holy Spirit and inviting us into relationship with God. Because of his blood that was shed, he paid for our sin so that anyone who understands it, anyone who comes to that point and they say, you know what? Enough of my allegiance to myself, which is what sin is. I'm now going to give my allegiance to you, Jesus. I want your forgiveness and grace and mercy. That person gets adopted into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So how the kingdom of God advances is not a military advancing border by border. It's every heart that hears the beauty of the gospel and receives that, they get adopted into the kingdom of God. So it's not a kingdom that you enter because you're a great person, because you attend church, because you were raised in a certain family. It's not a kingdom that's, uh, you know, somehow that you could manipulate your way in. It's a kingdom of hearts that have given their life to Jesus. That's the kingdom of God. It advances. Now, in the kingdom of God, though, God has purpose and, and he has values. And in this series, particularly, one of the values we're going to talk about is money. Now, when pastors stand up and start talking about money, people immediately think, oh, there it goes. You know, that pastor, that's what churches are all about. And look, let's be honest. There are a lot of churches, specifically on TV, that literally do a great job of, of kind of Perpetrating that idea that all churches want is your money. And you have to know that, that A, that's not true of LifePoint. LifePoint goes to a great extent to be very careful about how we talk about money. We don't even pass plates in this room. We're really careful, and we, want, we don't want to give that impression at all, even though that money is an important thing, yes? But here's the thing. Jesus talked more about money than he did any other topic in the Gospels. He talked more about it than Anything you can think of, he talked more about that than even heaven or hell. And we do a disservice by not talking about it to you. And so this series isn't a uh, you know, fundraising campaign. This series is about finding freedom. Because money is the one thing in our lives that consistently gets a hold of us, grabs onto us, and becomes an idol in our life. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And today we're going to talk about, well, how do we... How do we treasure the same things as God? How do we do that? And if you're here and, and you feel like, man, I'm, this is new to me, new to church, maybe this will help you. Maybe this will help you understand that what churches really are about, what the gospel's really about. 
And for a lot of us, like me, it's about finding even more freedom in Christ, letting go of chains that, that money can hold on our life. So if you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter six. I'm gonna share a passage of scripture that I think is gonna be super helpful. I'm gonna give you three distinct truths that I think will help us. The first one is this. It's that treasure can be subjective. We typically think of treasure as that has a monetary value. Those coins we thought were worth 250, they're actually worth 850, right? So they have an objective value, but that's not exactly true at all. Treasure is subjective. And we're gonna look at Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six is the, kind of the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus comes on the scene and is teaching about the values of the kingdom of God. And in that, he brings up this particular passage in chapter six of Matthew, verse 19. He says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what's he talking about here? The first thing is understand the context. Jesus is teaching on Sermon on the Mount. He's got his disciples with him and he's got a huge crowd of people and he's laying out what the kingdom of God is really like, the ideals, the values of the kingdom of God. And this particular one, he's talking about treasure. And when he's talking about moths, and how they can destroy, and rust and how it can destroy, understand that in, that in that culture, wealth meant you had lots of clothing. So to have two or three sets of clothing meant you were wealthy. In fact, some people would weave their, their you know, wealthy gold or whatever if they had it, they would weave it into their clothing because their clothing was considered to be their wealth. And of course, if moths destroy that, you're out of your wealth, right? Well, also tools would be a big deal. To be able to have a post hole digger or a, you know, some kind of a tool to help make your fence or your whatever, to have tools meant you were wealthy, so they went to great lengths to protect their tools. Why? Because that was their wealth. To have clothing and to have tools meant wealth. And he's saying, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth that can be destroyed by moths and rust. That's what he's saying. Don't let your heart get caught up in that. But, and this is the thing that's interesting, because a lot of people think, and I've heard this a lot, that they feel like Jesus is always trying to take something away from them, right? He wants to take away your pleasure. He wants to take away your time. And he certainly wants to take your money. So that feel, you gotta understand, he says, actually, don't lay up for yourself treasure here, but I actually want you to lay up treasure in heaven. He's thinking, I want to give you something more. So then the question is, okay, why? Because we get, we get a clue right here where he says that for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Listen, wealth, money is not evil. It's not. It is actually benign. There's nothing about it that is evil. And God actually isn't against you being wealthy. Understand that. In fact, uh, I was reading uh, this week in... Um, in Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, it talks about how uh, through Solomon, the wisdom that comes to us is that be like the ant that stores up the food in summer in order to have food all year long, right? You need to protect yourself. You need to gather up. You need to you know, make sure you're taking care of your family. In, in 1 Timothy 5, Paul writes that for a believer to not take care of their family, that's evil, that we have to take care of our families. We've got to provide for them. That is a, a spiritual discipline of learning to provide God wants you to have what you need and to be able to take care of things. And he's not against wealth. Think about it. He chose Abraham, the, the patriarch of our faith, and he was extremely wealthy. I, I was thinking about uh, Joseph of Arimathea. 
He was the guy that was wealthy enough to own his own tomb, and he went to Pilate and said, can I have Jesus' body? Why? Because he actually had a tomb. Do you know how rare that would have been back then? And then there's Barnabas, the New Testament hero who sold a plot of land to give to the needy. Why? Because he owned a plot of land. He was a wealthy man. God's not against wealth. Here's the problem. Wealth has a way of getting a hold of our hearts, though. And everyone, everyone treasures something that is different. We don't all treasure the same things. Like if, I, if we went to an indigenous people and handed them a check for $850,000, they would think it's like, what do you want me to do with that, right? But if you got the coins and you got the $850,000, what would you do with it? And everyone in the room would be a little bit different. I guarantee you. Some people want things. Like they're like, I have been waiting to buy my house, my dream house. 850 makes it so that I can get exactly what I want. I want like this, this, or maybe it's that vehicle or the boat. You have a thing in your life. Like I wanna actually redo my kitchen. Like there's something you would buy if you had 850,000 disposable dollars. There are other people that would want experiences. You treasure experiences. You would say, I'm taking my family, my people, even maybe your extended family on a dream vacation and we're gonna create a memory that we'll be talking about for the rest of our lives. Things, experiences, other people, and this is probably the most common, is we treasure security. We would say to ourselves, you know what we need? <laughs> we need to put this money into these investments to make sure we protect my future, our retirement, our kids' college fund. We wanna make sure we have what we need for a long time because security is what we really treasure. And I'm just saying those three things, things, experiences, you know, security, those are things we all probably treasure at different levels, and there's probably more, right? That's why treasure is subjective, but you see that Jesus actually treasured something different, and it's hard to put a monetary value on it. It says, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, and he wants your heart. In the kingdom of God, more than anything else, he wants your heart. That's what he wants, to love to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what he actually wants. How do you put a price tag on that? And yet we, we have a tendency to really get caught up in things that, that are gonna fade away and be gone forever. And he wants us to be caught up in kingdom values. Now, I wanna tell you a quick story. I have a buddy here at the church named Dan. Dan and I met early on when we planted LifePoint Westerville, and uh, he got one of the flyers, the very first flyer that we sent out in the community. I don't know how many people in the room actually got the first flyer, but he got it, and uh, he started coming to LifePoint. We became buddies. After a while, he took him a while to really make this his home, and we became buddies, and he and I play golf together. He's way better than me, uh, but just, he's a buddy. He's like, we, we co-lead a men's life group on Friday mornings, and just a good dude. Well, about 15 months ago, he had to go in and get his knee redone. He had to get uh, knee replacement surgery, and it was supposed to be like like a one-day thing. You go in, you get it, you can make sure you can walk around the thing and they bend it a certain angle and, and then, then you start your rehab, you're fine. You go in and out. Well, he had to go in and he couldn't get out right away. Uh, there's something was going on in his body. Uh, his knee, you know, his goal was just to make sure he could walk and do the things that they needed to do. But he was in extreme pain, which they say is completely normal with a knee replacement surgery. He was in a lot of pain pretty immediately, and he's just trying to get through the pain. Well, one day he's out, and they're trying to walk around, you know, the corridor of, you know, the hospital, and he's got a nurse there with him. He's got a thing to kind of lean on. He's walking. He's just trying to get mobility in his knee, and the nurse looks at him and goes, Dan, are you okay? And then he goes, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, the next thing he knew, everything was shrinking, his you know, everything went black and he passed out completely. He evidently fell back into a chair that's out there 
and they wheeled him back. He said he remembers a few things from that time. He remembers what he thought was being like, like rushed in a car that was with no driver, which was really the chair that they were wheeling down the hallway. But he did not know that he was not aware of the chair. He's just there. He goes and he remembers someone saying to him, Dan, Dan, stay with us. Dan, stay with us. And then he remembers being dropped and having intense pain in his leg, like super pain in his leg. He was already in pain in his leg. Now he feels like his leg hit something and he was just in intense pain. He remembers a nurse holding his hand saying, it's gonna be okay, Dan, it's gonna be okay. Do you wanna know what happened? Listen, he was surrounded by professionals. These are people who make their living taking care of others to make sure they're okay. But in that moment, no one cared about Dan's knee. Nobody cared to think to like hold it and lay it down. Nobody thought, okay, we need to protect it, embrace it as he's gonna be dropped onto a bed. Do you wanna know why? Because his heart stopped. He's done. Like his heart is out. No one cared about his knee. Can you imagine that? Look, I'm gonna tell you the rest of Dan's story because now you're probably like, oh, what happened to Dan? I still love Dan. He still helps me with my golf game and I'm still terrible. But nevertheless, I'm telling you, in that moment, no one cared about the knee because the heart stopped. Don't you see that? I think what Jesus is saying there, look, you guys, everyone, your heart is gonna be prone to whatever you treasure and you're naturally gonna treasure things of this world and don't do that because it will get your heart and your heart is on the line here, guys. That's the first truth. The second truth is this, is it's difficult to know when your eyes are going bad. This is what Jesus says next, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? This is when people say to me, Ed, you know, I read my Bible. I don't understand it. I'm like, I get you, because Jesus, seriously, it seems like a weird transition to go from you're trying to explain us about treasure, now all of a sudden you're giving us some kind of metaphor about eyes and the lamp and your body. I'm like, it would help, Jesus, if you'd be a little bit more clear, right? But if you do a little bit of study, a little bit of research, here's what you find that he's talking about. He's talking about direction with your life. Whatever you see, whatever you're able to see is gonna help the way that you navigate the world. And so the way that you see things in life, the way you see truth and the way you see values is gonna impact how you live out that life. And if you don't see things the way you're supposed to see them, it will impact what's happening, right? Everyone who has a pair of glasses knows you don't just wake up one day and think, oh, I need glasses. It slowly comes on you. I remember I needed glasses because I was playing softball and the ball that was coming at me, I couldn't see it. It was a complete blur. And I'm like, how did that happen, right? It's smacking me in the chest. I mean. I knew, and then I go and get glasses. I go outside, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's leaves. I mean, yes, you who have glasses, you know what I'm talking about. You didn't slowly not notice the leaves. It just, well, I guess that's exactly what happened. You were slowly, and then you finally noticed it. Wow, I need glasses. Look, here's, here's the reality of what he's saying here. He's talking about greed. He's talking about greed. Greed slowly comes up on you. You never notice it when it's happening until it's on you, and then you don't realize it. I was reading a pastor, a pastor who I respect, was a pastor for like 45 years, 50 years. I just totally love this guy. And, and he said this, Jesus warned people far more often about greed than he did about sex, yet almost no one thinks they're guilty of it. He went on to say, in, in all of his years in ministry, he goes, he'd have many people that would come to his office and say, look, I'm caught up in an affair. They knew they were in sexual sin. Uh, other things that they would come to them, they just knew sexual sin is so obvious. But he said, in all the years he's been a pastor, all the years he's been a pastor, no one has ever walked into his office and said, I'm dealing with greed. 
No one. Why? If Jesus went to such great lengths to talk to us about greed, then why does no one really think they're greedy? And I tell you, this is, I don't think we think we're wealthy. No one in this room, you probably, like maybe a couple of you think you're wealthy, but most people don't think they're wealthy at all. Let me, let me help you with that because I think we might be blind to it. Do you know that half the world, half the world, over three and a half billion people live on like $2.50 a day? I want you to let that sink in. They'll never hold a cell phone in their lifetime, ever. They literally are like the lowest, that's, that is the lowest common denominator of, of poverty in our minds, two and a half dollars a day. And you're thinking to yourself, Ed, that is not fair. You can't buy a gallon of gas for 250 and you can't do anything in our society without getting to and from. You drove here probably, unless a couple of you walked, right? You need gas. 250 a day doesn't do it, so it's not fair. So I did some more research and I found out, do you know the federal poverty line in America for a family of four is $28,000. So a household income of $28,000 would be poverty line in our country, okay? So that would be considered very poor, um, but the median household income in America is $45,000 for a family of four. That's average across the country, family of four, $45,000 household income. So you would think if you're making 28, 45 is wealthy. You would think, man, those guys are really wealthy. But the 45 is actually the median income. That's actually not wealthy. That's just average. So what is the average household income in Westboro? It's, you're thinking 70s? It's actually $92,000. So the average household income in Westboro is $92,000, which means that if you're the average family in Westerville, you're actually extremely wealthy in light of the Americans, not even the rest of the world. I'm not even talking about beyond that, but here's what I know. I'm, I know a lot of you, and no one ever comes to me and says, man, I'm so wealthy, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. <laughs> I'm just like, you know blow my nose in the money and I throw it out because I'm like, gosh, what I, I gotta do something with it. No one lives like that. And here's, that's a problem, right? What if we're all wealthy in this room and we don't think we're wealthy? It's possible greed has got us. So then I started thinking, well, how do I know I'm greedy? Because I don't feel greedy. I wrote down a couple things that just in research about this, like typically you know that money's starting to get a hold of you when it becomes your identity. Meaning if you had to move into a lower household income or had a lower salary, uh, that would start to really grate on your soul. Or you would look at people who are making lower dollars than you, like way lower dollars than you, and you think, man, they make bad decisions. And you start to look down on them because they don't make decisions like you do. So that's, that's one way it kind of gets you. Another way it gets you um, is that you stop becoming generous. You, you stop thinking about other people. And another one, you know, end up with a lot of, consumer debt, uh, which most people have consumer debt, and then another one is you just live without margin. You live right to the margin. You never leave room so that others might be blessed by what you have. That's the reality of most people, though. And the reason you don't feel wealthy is because you're thinking, I can't pay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just making a buy. And if you had the extra 850, you know what you'd spend it on, right? So how, all right, well, what if, what if greed is starting to get a hold of us then? What does God want for us? Because it's gotta be better than that. In the kingdom of God, he has a plan. And, I, and this is the third truth I think is important is that it's gonna be difficult to follow Jesus as your king if you don't go all in. 
you have to go all in. It has to be aggressive in order to really follow him well in the kingdom of God. Here's what he says. Verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one or love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. It's not, it's not possible. That's what he's saying. You cannot serve both God and money, which means if you're not aggressive one way or the other, you will naturally gravitate towards you know, finding ways for, for money or treasure to become the thing that's here and we'll invest everything here without ever recognizing that there's a kingdom value that's happening around us that's actually eternal and better than this but we naturally are gonna get caught up in this. So then what do you do? Well, you have to go all in. You can't be kind of halfway. It won't be done. I, uh, I was thinking what happens is I think money and then what it brings to us, whether it's the, the things, the experiences, the, um, the security, whatever it is that, that appeals to us all, we get caught up in that and we panic when we don't have it. We panic if it's threatened. We panic if we're having financial issues. We panic because it has such a hold on us. So then how do you break that? Because you need it. I don't think Jesus is ever saying, oh, you should just, you know, try to live below the poverty line. I mean, he might be saying that to some of you. (laughs) Some some people, he may talk to you about that, but it seems like God's okay with money, with you having it. But he wants you to use it well. In the series, we're gonna talk about that a bit. But for this one, I think the important thing is to learn that generosity has to be part because that's what breaks the chain of the hold of money in our life. Generosity helps break it. I I had a lesson on this uh, during Christmas. My wife came to me and she said, Ed, I need 14 gift cards from graders. I said, and I'm thinking, why why do you need 14 gift cards from graders? And she, she told me the monetary value she wanted. I'm like, Hey, I didn't budget for that, and we're kind of done with Christmas, so we're kind of moving on to the next thing, and you're, you're coming to me saying, you want me this? And, and she's, I said, for what? What do you want it for? Here's what she said. You ready? She goes, I want to give it to all the people I'm on a first-name basis with at our local grocery store. Now, this brings up another issue that this is where I learned, not the gift card thing, okay? This is another issue where God is really teaching me something about generosity, okay? Stay with me. Because Tammy and I have an argument Here's the problem. Tammy has an autoimmune disease which causes her hands, she has RA, and it causes her hands to be very uh, uh, problematic, very painful, and she can't lift groceries very well, so she needs me to help her with the groceries. The problem is, Tammy takes forever at the grocery store, and I just don't have that kind of time. I'm busy, and I have stuff to do, and, 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 I hate it. I don't like the grocery store. I don't wanna be there. I don't wanna look at stuff. I don't wanna check expiration dates. She's like, why did you buy something that's expired? I'm like, because I don't check. She goes, why don't you check? I'm like, why don't you just do the shopping? Because I can't lift it. You see what's happening here? My life is falling apart. You guys get me? <laughs> Let me tell you something. She's on a first name basis with people because she notices them. She can tell you things about their life. She's on social media with them. She knows about their family. She, she's on a first name basis with the guy who brings out the milk. She's on a first name basis with 14 different people. And I said, I said yes, dear, we'll do that. Because she doesn't have to convince me about the money thing. If we have it, I don't care. That's not my area. The area is I'm greedy with my time. You see how generosity becomes who you are? Generosity affects every part of your life. It's not just money, although it could be, but it's every part of your life. If you're generous in the kingdom of God, it becomes generosity everywhere. And God was teaching me right then and there. And I can't believe I missed it. She was teaching me about generosity with just focus on those who don't seem to get noticed anywhere. 
We need that in our life, guys. I, uh, I think if, if you're here today, there's a couple ways to think about it. Okay, I struggle. I feel like maybe greed is starting to get a hold of my heart and I don't want that to happen. So then I've got to become generous somehow. Well, that's part of the series. We're gonna help look at what Jesus talked about and hopefully that generosity, not, it's not just a money thing. It becomes part of who we are. We want God. We want his input in us because honestly, there is treasure in heaven that goes way beyond anything that we can ever ask or imagine. I want to get caught up in that. I want everyone to be caught up in that. But there's more so. There's purpose here in the kingdom of God advancing, and we need to be generous like Jesus is. He's generous with his love. He's generous with his heart, with others. So maybe it's figuring, okay, well, I've got to go in that direction. Maybe you came in today, and you're like, I don't, I don't even know that I'm connected to God very well. Like, you're talking about Ed having this, like, generous heart, the heart of Jesus himself, and I don't know that I'm even there yet. So I, I want to address that too. But let me, let me finish up the story of my friend Dan real fast, because I think it's gonna help. Because he said something recently to me about his experience in the hospital uh, that really helped me see something. Number one is his electrical system of his heart, the nodes and whatnot, they were not beating correctly. And so he had to get a pacemaker put in in order basically to save his life so that as his heart, maybe if it sputters or doesn't kick or if it goes down, the pacemaker helps regulate that to make sure that it's beating correctly. Now. I'm not a heart surgeon, but I understand the basics of that. He needs a generator in his heart to make sure it backs up, right? So he's in the hospital, and his heart stops. They had to do compressions on him to get it restarted, and then they had to put something in there to make sure it works. Everyone, that's clear. That's Dan. He's, that's why he's still alive, right? He was expecting to be there one day and be out. <clears throat> now he's been there for most of the week. And he goes, Ed, you never sleep in the hospital. I'm, I'm like, I've... I understand. He goes, one night, it's like probably five or six days in, uh, it's like 2 a.m., he's there, he's kind of up, and a nurse comes in, and nurses are always coming in all the time anyway, they have to check the vitals and yada, yada, yada. He's like, this nurse comes in, and you know, I'm kind of awake, and the nurse looks at me and goes, have you been washed? And he goes, it occurs to him, he hasn't brushed his teeth in like five or six days. He hasn't washed his face, he hasn't combed his hair, like he probably smelled a little bit. He's like, my breath is probably terrible. And I don't know how much I've sweat in the midst of all this stuff, like in all these surgeries and all of this stuff. Like she goes, he goes, I probably, I'm probably filthy. And she noticed right away and goes, can I wash you? And he goes, Ed, it was, you know, it was all PG stuff, like taking care of his face and hair. And, and she just starts to like wash his hair and clean his face and, and just his teeth. I mean, just taking care of him. And he says to her, where are you from? And he gets, he gets her life story. He found out that she's from a place where she was a refugee at one point. And because she, her dad said, well, we need to go to America, they came to America and, and she went to school as a teenager and she couldn't speak the language. And all of the kids, imagine as a teenager, feeling like all your peers think you're stupid. They all thought she was uh, you know, not very bright because she couldn't speak. Well, one day the math teacher who noticed all this happening knew she was brilliant and was able to get like a perfect score in math, put her, her score up on the board for everyone to see, to say, look, she is brilliant. And she, it just gave her such confidence. And that kind of inspired her to keep going in education. And eventually here she is now, like, you know, in, as a nurse assistant or a nurse or whatever she was at that time. And, and here she is, she's, she's washing him and he's getting her story. And he says, do you ever read the Bible? And so he started talking about faith with her and she was unfamiliar mostly with the Bible. And he says, do you know, there's a story in the Bible about how Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He served them. He goes, that's what you're doing for me right now. You're washing me. You are taking time to serve me just like Jesus did. He goes, I'll bet you your parents would be super proud of you today. He invited her to church. And I'm thinking, honestly, as I'm listening to him tell the story, we're in our men's group, I'm thinking, if I was on my worst day, 
having one of the worst weeks of my life, if my knee was so full of pain, like, and, and then my heart stopped, I don't know, I don't know how I'm gonna react. Dan noticed her. He took time to notice her. Why? Because her heart is valuable. That's the kingdom of God in us. The Holy Spirit cares about people everywhere because he cares about people's hearts. That's what I think he wants for us is to notice people everywhere. Can I tell you, Dan said one other thing. I learned something that day too. Do you know how, what God taught me? I said, what? He goes, Ed, I was filthy and had no idea. I was so focused on my pain. I had no idea how filthy I was. And yet that's who Jesus is for us. Sin soils everything about us. It corrupts us. It just makes us filthy from the inside out, from our hearts all the way to our skin. It just, just devastates us and we need washed. Christians, we are, we are the instruments of how God brings the Holy Spirit into people's lives. And it's the blood of Christ that washes away their sin. That's what happens. That's what God wants for us. If you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what? I don't know that I've ever connected to God. You need to understand God knows your heart. He is interested in your life. He knows what you've gone through. He knows the things that you're most embarrassed by. And I hear people all the time say, you know what? I can't come to God. I can't come to God. I'm not worthy. Isn't that what Caleb said earlier? That's right. That's not the point. You focus on your pain and your stuff and it just spirals out and Jesus knows you and loves you. He wants you to be connected. And if you're here and you're, you can be like me, there are just times when I need a reminder, I need an encouragement to not allow my heart to go bad, to go towards greed, to start thinking it's all about me, my money, my time, my efforts, my resources. I sometimes think it's about me. And for us in the room, it's time to say, all right, God, teach me to be generous. Teach me to use the resources that I have, my time, my, my finances, my, my skills, Teach me to be generous with all of it for your purposes, to live with margin in all these areas. So let's take a second. Let's stand and pray together. As, as we get ready to um, just worship together, um, let's just talk to God. Wherever you're at, let's kind of close your eyes and bow your head and talk to God. If you have a, a situation in your life where you feel like you just... Um, you need some prayer. I'm gonna ask you to step out as we start to sing and step back to next steps in the back corner of the room. There'll be someone to meet you there that can pray with you. Just head over there. I'll pray with you. Um, but just talk to God right now. If you have an area of your life that you feel like God's speaking to you about, talk to him. And if you're here and you, and you would say to yourself, man, I want, I want to receive that same grace and mercy. As Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, you want him to wash away your sins. If that's you, say to God right now, God, I believe in you. And I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross and I believe he rose from the grave. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name Jesus shall be saved. So I'm gonna ask you, if that's you and you've never done that, say to Jesus right now, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I am sorry. I'm sorry I've lived my life my way and I've put my hand in your face and today, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Will you please lead me? Help me to understand what that means and help me to follow as best I can. Just tell him that. You need to know that little step of faith is all that he requires from your heart because that's what he wants, your heart. I'm just gonna ask that if you just pray that prayer, one of the things that Jesus wants is to lead your life. And he said that if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. 
I want you to do that. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, to acknowledge Jesus. If you're making that step today, I'm just gonna ask you between you and me in this moment, just to raise your hand up. Say, before you, Ed, and before God, I want, I want everyone to know. If that's you, just raise your hand up high and if I can see it in the room. Just say, today was my day. Lord, I thank you so much for being a God that loves and cares for us, that you want us to know you, that you care about our heart. But God, for most of us in this room, we naturally gravitate towards taking care of ourselves and of people we love. God, teach us to have your heart for others. Teach us to be generous with the love you poured in us and to pour it onto others and use every resource we have to do that. Teach us to do it well. It's in your name we pray.